Okay, here we go. We'll start with uh, Brian Toomey. Now, this has been going on for some time, uh, Richard. The story here is that he has not received an insurance payout for what ultimately proved to be uh, career-ending injuries. This is hard lines, to say the least. It is. Hopefully, there may be some ex gratia payment, because you can understand both sides in a way. Brian was single-focused coming back, but I'm sure Eve will have had issues with you know, people's staff and what have you. The, the rule of thumb normally within the insurance industry is obviously if he got re-licensed as a rider and passed all of the requirements to be so, the insurance company will say, well, hang on a second, he must be OK. And uh, you know, even for, for staff who, who have that, often they're not allowed to get back on a horse. So I'd be particularly interested to know what sort of advice Brian got around that time, because that is sort of the industry norm. It's very, it's very difficult. I mean, as you say, you can see both sides of the story. He um, basically should never have been allowed to have a licence again. Yes, that's the fundamental uh, That's the crux of it. And, and once they gave him the licence, the insurers went, tick, that's done. Don't need to be paying him out. Um, the fact is, he don't, they then didn't give him a licence, and it did, you know, there's no doubting that it goes back to the original injury. But by the letter of the law, the insurers don't have to pay out. So he is stuck between a rock and a hard place. What happens? Precedent, um, hopefully. You know, they, they will never accept liability for that because of the number of issues that would yeah. follow. Yeah. But maybe in these specific circumstances... Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I, don't know. I don't know how it works, but... But lessons to be learned lessons if be this learned. happens again. You can be very, very careful before you go back that, you know, your career is something... Yeah. Very hard for him in the moment, though, wasn't really, it? Really, but really hard... And you, all you want to do, whether you train you, whatever you do, you want to get back to the person you were. There's, you know, that's human nature. I want to get back. And if the BHA or the licensing committee, they do it case at a time. And imagine if they said, no, you can't, you're not going to be it. And then they might be sued because they said, well, I'm fine, there's nothing wrong with me. It's a very fine line and a difficult balancing act to take, I think. Um, there has been so much talked about the... English and Irish handicap systems this week and whether there is something inherently unfair about the attempted amalgamation of the two when Irish horses come to race in, in Britain, Richard. Um, what do you think? Well, I think we shouldn't just... I mean, everyone's looking for excuse, excuses, reasons for the UK-Irish clash. It doesn't just extend to handicaps. I mean, well, some no, of them, let's face it, are excuses, aren't they? Excuses well, for poor performances from UK horses. They are, and we'll come back to it right at the very end. We'll try and draw the circle with the very last point that's on there, because that's quite amusing from this sort of angle, if you like, presenting Percy. Um, but the handicap, uh, the belief that it, within the UK, horses don't drop fast enough, probably. The question, I suppose, I ask, as, again, someone who's close numbers, is why, why on earth? It is largely a computer-driven function, handicapping, and should be overlaid then with a quantitative assessment from someone to say, well, actually, that horse was unlucky. I just cannot see why, you know, the same principles can't just be used for one uniform system. The, the interesting thing is, even I say to you, do you run in fear of flat handicappers from Ireland coming over here? So why isn't there the same imbalance on the flat if there's an imbalance Not so many flat handicaps come over. I mean, apart from the royal meeting, we don't really get, get that many coming over. But I think the handicappers are very unforgiving. You do one... You're meant to get it on three runs here, and it's... I mean, and they always handicap you to your best run. End of. There's no... You know, it might not be that it was flattered by that race. And then you say, they say, oh, well, when, if it runs badly, we'll drop it. Well, they never do. I mean, if they might do eventually after two or three runs, well, that's two or three runs of expenses for the owner. Again, it goes back to prize money and money. But I don't know, for the jumping particularly, it, it, it's not an excuse... 
quite frankly, if they're winning all the handicaps and we cannot even get a sniff, they are far better handicapped than us because the whole handicap system is meant to make it a level playing field, however good or bad the horses are. So I think it's fairly obvious that their horses are far better handicapped than the British ones. How it's got to be changed, I don't know. One system, I think. That's got to be surely the way. Uh, one uniform system where you adopt the principle, the overlying principle that you think is correct. But how disadvantageous the UK horses are, I'm still not 100% sure. But it's, a handicap is meant to be a level playing field. Yeah. Clearly it's not. However good... We might have a lot worse horses here. I'm not saying that. Mm. Maybe the... You know, the, whatever the advantage is, a handicap is meant to be a level playing field. And when it's as badly skewed as it is at the moment... It does need looking at, I think. OK. Uh, National Hunt landmarks, Richard. Well, we talk a lot... You just had Harry on chatting about Brian Hughes. But, for, again, there'll be trainers up and down the country, jockeys up and down the country, who are pursuing individual goals. And there's, there's two obvious ones. Paul Nichols, who's trying to chase down 171 winners, which is his greatest number. I think he's six short. Looked like he was certain to get there after he had six winners on the first day of Aintree, but it's in the balance a bit. He's got Wincanton today, uh, Kempton, Taunton, Exeter with lots of chances. I think he needs six to beat that. And that's a tally that he's been going for ever since he got to his fastest hundred. So um, it'll be some achievement. And Fergal O'Brien's made in hundred. He's on 98 mm. and They've ploughed through the 90s and just got to a halt. But I should there will be others that I'm unaware of. It's important this time of season when everyone's set themselves objectives. Last few days, you've got a target in mind, time's running out. So good luck to all of those. Are you a, are you a trainer for targets? Do you ever set yourself numerical targets? Um, I always want to win a group race and win a race at Ascot every year. Never, it's only happened once. But um, then hopefully, every year. If, 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 a, if the, the Ascot race is the group race... Yes. That, does that then does that then box it off when no. accidental well, Asian one was yeah. that it or do you have no to no then... then you have to regroup right, and yeah, get another yeah, get target another, yeah. but that's always every year ask a, ask a winner uh, group winner Goodwood winner I love Goodwood as well but um so yeah and always you always try and better the season before they're the ones I think yeah. they're the ones yeah it's the num- numerically it's trying yeah. better the season before you never want to go backwards in life do you no is it numbers or prize money well you see prize money goes down. So you might be winning the same races, but you might not get the same prize money. Yeah, so Paul Nichols will be one of his lowest prize money takes really? in recent mm. seasons. And he's won everything. Yeah. Well, Bart yeah. Chapman. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, yes, that, yes. Yes. And, and Henry de Brom had his third in the training champion. I mean, I'm actually amazed that he's not leading. Because he's won I think all Richard the big Hannon races. once finished third in the Irish trainers by winning the two golf sales races on the same weekend. And then my, my dad was the champion trainer in Ireland twice because he won the Irish Derby. Wow. Yeah, that's... that's... Yeah. Consecutive years as well. Consecutive years, yeah. exactly. And he won, so he was our champion on five money there. So it, it does skew it a bit. Yeah, a little. Just a shade. Yeah. Just a shade. <laughs> um, the Grand National Overround, as had been predicted prior to the race, because of industry starting prices, came down. Is all rosy in the starting price garden, <laughs> uh, though, Richard? Well, let's, let's take it on both sides. Everyone who's a conspiracy theorist believes that everyone's on their best behaviour whilst it's under scrutiny. As soon as you take your eye off it, that overround will, will creep up. Um, I think from an accounting perspective, I just think we need to recalibrate a little bit. If the percentage overrounds do stay low, then that is a reasonable barometer of whether or not it is being successful. My concern is more with the starting prices as a whole mm. as to whether they are encompassing all of the amounts that are bet, either amounts that get knocked back or amounts where people take money 
um, that are outside the pool size, other smaller bookmakers, and they don't have the ability to get that back into the pool. There are some, some significant bookmakers who take bets and try to lay off in the old conventional manner and cannot get on. And my concern then is that that is not being reflected in the starting price. And again, on course, when that comes back, that is the way that everyone was able to get on. Now, don't get me wrong, the on-course market could be manipulated by small amounts of money to reduce the liabilities. So I think a balanced reflection is right. Whether 10 or 12% from the on-course market is sufficient, I remain doubtful. But We've talked on this programme, it's been talked about elsewhere as well, that the uh, new SP system represents an opportunity for on-course bookmakers to you know, mark themselves out as offering value. It's the old John McCruick in this Absolutely. room when he was on, on Channel 4 years ago shouting, come racing at the, at the, at but the TV. But if I could take what we were saying earlier, if it's racing's desire to improve revenue, as in turnover, we're all on board about that, rather than bookmakers' profits, then we should all be maximising ensuring that everybody who wants to get a bet on as far as possible can within reasonable guidelines. Um, and if you're forgoing revenue, you're then forgoing money for racing and the focus will be rather different. OK, let's uh, talk about... Uh, Cheltenham ticket sales. This kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier on. What is the appetite for racing going to be when the gates are open? Now, if that's a barometer, then it's going to be it's going to be very strong. What do you think? Well, I think it'll be huge. I think people can't wait to get back. Can't, can't wait to get back seeing people. I went out for supper the other night, six of us in the garden, and it was like, oh my goodness, I'm actually talking to people face to face, and it was like a revelation. And I think people will can't wait to get back and do something, anything. And I think we need to grab hold of it and do great promotions and try and get people here. And, and I think people will. There'll be a big appetite for it. Richard? Yeah, in life, isn't it, really? Mm. I mean, you know, it's nice mm. to see you in person, even. Yes. Okay, well, Holly's going to come on exactly. in. I bet you see you rather than on a screen. Mm. And everyone feels that great sense that maybe we're moving forward. But that's not just going to be racing, isn't it? My youngest is desperate to go to football matches yeah. and cricket matches. And everyone will wish to get out. Obviously, we hope we're moving in a steady direction, but I'm not surprised. The other thing from a racing point of view, or business point of view, is you want people's money in. Yeah. And so as a result, advanced ticket sales are extremely useful. Mm. Many a profitable business has failed through cash flow issues. You'll know with slow payers, even what have you, what an impact that can have on your business, even though it's a successful mm. business. So the fact you can get some money coming in is very, very important. And you know, people, I mean, we're lucky because we've been outdoors a lot. Yep. And we've been talking to people. Yes. I and mean, we're so lucky. A huge part of the population yes, have, have not. Been. Have Absolutely. not. They've been cooped up. So yeah. I think, you know, they open the doors and be like, well, it's like chickens coming out of a coop. They'll be flying out and hopefully excited to get out, go anywhere, go to any sporting event. And, and racing is one of those. And yeah. racing is, you know, because it's outside, we should, people will feel safer coming here, hopefully, you know, because there's so much room and there's massive acreage that we can use. So... We don't need... We can socially distance all you like. Yeah, as we are in this, in this <laughs> very room today. Um, the breeze-up sales took place this week. The first major breeze-up sale took place this week in, in Newmarket at, at, uh, at Tassels, the Craven Breeze. that obviously be a high-profile one at Deauville and Arcana and, and Doncaster as, as well. Uh, Eve, just looking at, the, looking at the results, how would you assess the health of the health of the market. There, there still seems to be a pretty strong market out there. It's not got the highs that we've, we've had in recent years. I don't know. I didn't go to the sale, so I don't know what the stock was like. I don't know whether it was... But they're doing really well. They're doing putting lots of bonuses in, uh, tassels, which I think is help tempts people in. Um, 
And it looked a very strong trade. There was a very strong clearance rate. So I think there's still a strong appetite for, for buying horses. The bonuses are interesting. They've always been a bit controversial. Some people don't love them. And Rich was talking about the sales races earlier on, those mm. big golf sales races. But the industry has to find some of its own stimuli if it's not getting it from outside. Yes. And I think that, you know, if you can win a bonus for, for anything, it's great. You know, if you just, um, I think... It, I don't know if it's 25, 125 grand, isn't it, if you win a race at Ascot? I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're buying a 200 grand horse, that's quite, quite and you win a race at Ascot, mm. that's, that's, that, that helps, doesn't it? Um, so anything to put money back into the system to hopefully be recycled and put a smile on people's faces. Because it's quite difficult to do when you race at Royal Ascot. Yeah. Yeah, yes, of course. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I mean, they're very yeah. unlikely to have to pay out, but that doesn't matter. There's the, no. They're dangling the fish, aren't they? Absolutely. Positives, clearance rate, because yeah. people mm. have got a lot of money tied up in stock. You need mm. to release it in order to go and reinvest. So that was the, the plus. Average was down. That's not necessarily bad, because as Eve said, the, the, the highest values, there was nothing, I think, over 400,000 mm. this year. There have been a couple. That drives your average down. But the medium was up, which is, you know, your midpoint. Mm. And that's very encouraging, because that was a bit of the rarefied part of the industry that you thought might get left behind. You'll always have the, the sale toppers. Yeah. But if your clearance rate was low and your medium was low that was more dangerous for the industry. So, no, I actually thought the, the, the returns were quite encouraging and would encourage people to go and reinvest. And lest you were in any doubt as to the popularity of certain national hunt horses, then you, you, you needed, only needed to look at the, the tributes to presenting Percy this week. Jewel Cheltenham Festival winner, very impressive in the Perth Ems final, brilliant winner of the uh, what was then the RSA chase when Album Photo was well beaten when coming down two out. And then, you know, one-time favourite for the, for the Gold Cup as well. He's a smashing horse on his day, uh, Richard, and, a, and a, a real premature end to his life. Yeah, look, it, it's a real shame. He had a long-standing battle with an infection, which unfortunately lost, which, of course, was why we weren't going to see him at the, the last festival. Great story, really. He came from a, you know, slightly unpromising background, 50 to 1 on his debut by a sort of semi-reclusive trainer who wouldn't talk to the press. Um, and, of course, just to, to close why I was talking about the National Hunt handicapping, famous for Davy Russell's protestations before the pretense about how badly all the Irish horses <laughs> were handicapped when they came over to Cheltenham, which was one of Davy's finest performances, only to hack up of 144 and then go and win the RSA and be favourite for the Gold Cup the following year. So, But he, he did have a following... Any horse that wins two races for Ireland at the festival is going to do so. Yeah, um, a, a real shame. And a, um, a wonderful jumping flag bearer for his, his sire, Sir Percy. Uh, yeah. And you've, you've got a, a had and have a good few of those. Though, yeah, like, great stallion, I think, Sir Percy. They're tough, they're hardy and they try. And they get sort of any trip. So fantastic. They can be dual purpose. It's really good. Yeah, absolutely. The Derby winner of when was it? Two thousand and six. Yes, I think that's right. Four-way photo. Scariest yeah. Derby of all time. You called that, didn't you? I did. I hedged Martin my bets. Martin Dwyer and Marcus Schoening, fantastic, wasn't it? I it always was. wondered when they crossed the line what had happened to Hallebeck, who I thought was coming to win. Took my eye off him, then saw he finished fourth. I still maintained if he'd run straight, he'd have won that year. But it was a it was a real bun fight. Sixty-six to one second, Dragon Dancer, or yeah, yeah Dragon yeah. Dancer, and yeah. he was main, wasn't he? Yeah, and yeah. Some, yeah. Some Mr. Pierce. Yeah. Very busy finish. Yeah. Very busy well, finish. Sir Percy himself has left a, a pretty significant legacy, both, uh, both on the flat and over jumps, and his most important jumps son sadly died this week, presenting Percy. And that, uh, those were this week's talking points.